Well, good morning, everybody. The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22. People of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers and sisters, We all know that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, to God. Thanks, Andrew. Fabian. Thank you. you. 
So we're continuing to journey through the book of Acts. If you haven't been here um, and this is the first time you're in the church, we're looking at this particular book um, as we as a church also are going through some quite significant change um, because Steve is moving on and so from September we will be, we'll have a time of vacancy. Um, so the title is Journeying with this early church through a time of change. Now that word change can also be the word transition. Transition is a time of change and uh, the church is in transition. It's going to be transition. Vicky is going to be in that time of change and transition. In a week she will become a deacon and then she will start her training and curacy. But I thought of another bloke who was in transition last week and I wonder who it is. Can we put the other ones? I need to turn it on. There we go. There we go. I wonder who is this. <laughs> I recognize someone there. Can you recognize this lady there? I think it's Carol Judge. Who's Carol? Is Carol here? Oh, she's in the crash. There we go. I think. But this is me last week in transition. Now, when you do a triathlon, you have two transitions, T1 and T2. This is actually T1, which is the transition between the swimming and the cycling. Um, and uh, there are a few things that are very important that need to take place in quite a short time. Actually, my transition was way, way too long, so I need to learn how to transition quickly. Um, but one of the things that's very important is you're not allowed to touch your bike until you have put your helmet. You get some uh, penalty, I don't know if it's time or points. But of course, for us as a church, there are also things that are going to be important in this time of transition. And so we just had a very important meeting at the DCC with uh, Joe, our Archdeacon, and it's been very helpful for us to, to set up a, a kind of um, schedule and just to re reassure us um, of a few things. Now this church, well actually this, uh, this um, group of people who became church in our text, the first church, um, have been in some kind of transition. Uh, the disciple had just experienced Jesus alive for 40 days and then they've experienced um, Jesus going to the Father, that's called uh, the ascension or the exaltation. And then they just had experienced the coming of God in their midst through, their, through the Holy Spirit. Um, and now is Peter, one of the apostles, one of the friends of Jesus who walked with him uh, through his ministry, standing up and telling the first gospel sermon. The first gospel sermon. And we're, looking, we're going to look at what, what are we doing when we share the gospel. Of course, it's a, a Greek word, which gospel means good news. So how are we called to be good news to those around us? Well, first, I think it's easy to say what the gospel is not. It's not a fantasy or a wishful thinking or the invention made up by a bunch of people. It's not something the disciple made up. 
It's not even a philosophy. It's not a way, uh, uh, like a system, cleverly structured, that promotes a way of life. Although it is a way of life, but it's not just that. And finally, it's not some kind of mystery religion that only the initiated can access. The gospel is good news to all, and it can be received because it makes sense. And that leads me to my next point. It's not enough to know what the gospel is as Christian. We need to know how to share it. Because if we don't share it well, it can't be received. And in our passage today, and you will need to open your Bible because we're going to look in greater detail, um, we can see what Peter, yes, empowered by the Holy Spirit, God is using him, but how Peter brings about that good news in a way that's effective. And the way we can be effective, first, we need to know what is the question. Often we come to a friend and try to answer a question that he has never asked in the first place. So what are the questions in our world today? What are the questions our friends, our family, our colleagues have? And then secondly, once we know kind of what they're asking, then we need to start building on what they know, not on what they don't know. So what do they know? Or what is God doing in their lives? Where can I join God in what is he doing in his or her life? And then finally, we can then take them a step further, take them a step closer to understand that good news. So let's look with Peter, how he does it here. You need to look back at the beginning of the chapter to understand first He's speaking to a very specific kind of people, and we have that in verse 5 of chapter 2, which is on page 1032. So there were standing, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heavens. Those were people who had already a quite elaborate concept of who God is. They were God-fearing Jews. And they just had experienced something that they, they didn't understand. They saw this bunch of people, the Galileans, who were speaking in their own languages without even learning the language. They were speaking in their own languages about God, saying wonders about this creator God. And so they were perplexed. They were amazed. And verse 12 of that second chapter, they ask a question. What does this mean? That's the question. That's the question that Peter is now going to explore. And he tells them, using um, what they are um, knowledgeable about and what they trust, he used their scripture because that's what they know. And so it explains what is the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're using scripture, saying this is the gift that was promised in the old days that one day God is going to pour his spirit on all nations. And that's what you are experiencing. And then he continues with what we read. So starting at verse 22, he says, 
people of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourself know. Peter refers to something they knew. They knew about the life of Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. They knew about the signs and the miracles. Maybe some of them saw even Jesus during his lifetime. So that's something they knew. But sometimes when we start speaking with someone on the street or a friend, that they don't even know. And so we can't start there with them. But they knew. They knew something else. Verse 23, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. They knew about his death. They had heard of it. And then the third thing that they knew was things that were told in the Old Testament. Their scripture. Verse 23, uh, no, verse 25 to 28 and 34. Peter is quoting something that they know. They knew about God. They knew about his promise that he would one day send a deliverer, a rescuer. They had a title for that. They were calling him the Messiah. And so Peter was quoting well-known passage. This was their starting point. But those we know might be at a very different starting point. And we've, if we don't start where they are, then we're going to do this following mistake. Marvellous. We're absolutely delighted with him. Really, Andre, he's wonderful. This Basil's wife. This Basil. This smack on head. times K. I wonder how many times when I try to share the good news but I didn't take the time to hear their questions and I didn't take the time to know where they were, how many times actually they said, K, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Now in the 70s a man called James Engel wrote a book which profoundly changed the way people understood sharing the good news, what we called evangelism. The book he wrote was What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest? 
and it introduced a tool which has become now widely used, known as the angles scale. And here you have the example. The angles scale. Now there's other ways, but what it helps us to do, um, it helps us to understand that people at, are at different places in their journey, in their journey of faith. We've just baptized um, Lisa and Eva, and that's the start, of course, for Lisa and Eva. They've already shared something of the journey, but it's a journey. And at different stages of the journey, maybe we have different questions. And so, for example, um, some people have no framework of really God. They're very confused. What God are we talking about? There are many gods, actually, in our world. There are many views of God. Um, it could be that they have a vague experience of something is missing, something is wrong. What is my purpose? That's maybe a question. What, is, what am I doing here? Maybe they start being aware of Christianity and its message. Maybe they start being interested. So you can see now we don't function as, you know, oh, you were number minus 10, now you, you know, we don't function this way. Uh, but it's helpful for us when we think of our friends our family, to know what are their questions, where do they stand, how can I best share the gospel with them. So where is that person and what is God doing in their lives and what do we know about them and their questions. And for me this is quite relevant in what we are trying to do with um, that outreach that we believe God is calling us um, to do in Lucerne State. You see, we're not seeking there to create links to bring people in, although um, they're always, of course, welcome to be here. But we want to walk alongside them, listening to their stories and their questions and where they are and how they understand and experience God now. And then create a community that will help them continue on that journey in a way that resonates, resonates with their language, with their culture, with their longings, with their giftings. And so it's not going to be a mission with, it's, not, it's going to be mission with, but not mission for or mission to. It's going to be outreach, not dragging them in. It's going to be there on their terms. But of course, you also are called to share your faith. And so two maybe thoughts to keep in mind is, what will this make sense to that person? What I'm going to share, is it going to make sense to that person? Is this helpful for the person to discover the good news? So first we need to hear the question. Then we need to build on what people know. And finally, then we can discern how can I take that person a little bit further or a lot further because God, of course, is surprising and it's the Holy Spirit. And that's what Peter says in verse 24. He brings a new element, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This Jesus that you know, this Jesus that you've experienced, you know the signs, you know he was sent by God, 
this Jesus that died on the cross, you know that. We are now saying God raised him from the dead. And it shouldn't surprise you because something of that kind was told in your scripture. And so again, Peter goes back to the scripture. Verse 27, David, a king that they knew, was talking about someone who will not be abandoned in the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. No, he says, and he used logic and common sense. He says to them, now you know, David couldn't speak about himself in those days because we know he died. We even know where the tomb is. So he must have been speaking of someone else. And what we are telling you today is that that someone else is Jesus. That someone else is Jesus. And so he can say in verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you know, who died, the one you've crucified, both Lord and Messiah. You are witness of that, he says. God has raised this Jesus, and we are all witness of the fact. Now, I wonder when he said we are all witness of the fact, whether he only means we who saw Jesus alive for 40 days, or he includes all the people who were listening. And I think he was including all of them. Because they knew the tomb was empty, the body was gone, they knew that. And what they were saying is that we are standing here, we are telling you we haven't stolen the body. We saw Jesus alive. And so you are witnessing now something in the coming of the Holy Spirit. You are witnessing that Jesus is now in God's presence and he has given that gift. And the amazing things, because he's been listening to the question, he's been starting with what they knew and he took them further to tell them of the good news, the good news that God is not distant, God is close, and in Jesus, he came to reveal himself, and in dying, he came to die so that I could be forgiven, and in rising, he was then shown to all that this is the Jesus we are now called to follow. This is the one who can truly rescue, rescue us. And so, verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. At Lighthouse, we said, what does it mean to be cut to the heart? And the, question, the, the answer was, oh no. They realize, what have we done? This was the person we were waiting and we crucified him. But yet they realized that was all the way God's plan. Jesus would die so that the mess I did in my life could be forgiven. And I could start again. And when I open myself to his life, forgiveness becomes part. I want to be baptized. I want to show everyone that new life, something happens in our lives and we become this transformation. Repent and be baptized. Be honest with God. Let him in. Be baptized. Every one of you, it says, every single one, because that's a, that's a decision every individual person has to make. 
you and me, have to make that decision one day. Will I acknowledge God and his way? Or will I not listen? Now, something great happened that day, which secretly, because Steve is leaving in a little bit more than two months, I can't, I can't imagine after a sermon like this, like 3,000 people coming in. I hope it will not happen, and yet I hope it will. But that's what happened that day. 3,000 people were added, and the start of the church happened. So shall we reflect on that? If you think about those you know, what are their questions? What do they know? And how, with God's help, can you help them on that journey um, to know more about the good news, the good news that God is not far, God is very close. He came in Jesus. He died that I might be forgiven. And he calls us to follow him. Let's pray. Father, in this time of transition for us as a church, continue to guide us with your spirit that we may be good news to all, to our family, our friends, our colleagues, and our community. Gift us with a way to speak so that people will understand and be able to make a choice. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.